Yo, a lot of fire. Welcome, Mr. Gundafei. Very good evening to you. Good evening to you as well. This is uh, this is an exciting moment. This is episode one of the Owning the Ship podcast. One of many, we hope. Hopefully, there are people on there. We'll see after this. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm glad you've uh, you've decided to join me. Um, and yeah, listeners, bear with us. This is our first one, so we're going to see how it goes. How are you doing, Aldi? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm very good, thank you, my friend. I'd like to say, first of all, it's an honour to be on the first ownership podcast. Um, first of many, hopefully. Um, been a long time coming, long time in the works. This is not an overnight situation, so again, kudos to you, um, Mr. Ownership. And we're looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited, I'm excited. It's a good day. It's a it's a joyous occasion. It is, man. I'm I'm relaxing here. I've got my Shiraz. It's the only way to start this off properly. I've got my red wine with me. Um, so nice. I'm ready to go. How are you feeling? It's a good day as well because football is finally back. I mean, how does how did that feel for you, man, to see your your brush your Dortmund with your Jaden Sancho? How do you feel about that? <laughs> no, it was amazing. It was uh it was great to have football back. It was um you know, sometimes you don't realise um, how much you love something until it's gone. You know, so it was, uh, it was great. It's great to have it back. Uh, unfortunately for Schalke, didn't put up much of a fight. Not sure the keeper was playing out today. Um, it wasn't his finest. It was not his finest moment by any stretch. But it was great. It was great to watch the game. Great to have the football on. Um, Harlan scored, so you know, you know, you know, the world's still spinning. Um, so that's yeah. that's good news at least in all this tumultuous time. You know, so the more things change, you know. So um, it's good stuff. It's good. Very happy to have So for all the listeners out there, as you know, we don't just bring anyone on the Own the Ship podcast. So <laughs> today, today we have LD Ogunbi, who who has had quite a roller coaster. He's had a great journey, and he's landed the career that he wanted to. He's landed a job in his uh, his dream company, Adidas. Um, he's a merchandising graduate, so we're going to talk through his journey, um, how it went through the application process, what it's actually like at Adidas, and the tips he's got for obviously dominating the the graduate scheme, becoming graduate MVP as we'd like to do over here. So, yeah, Aldi, I, I don't know. Do you want to just introduce yourself and and then talk us through through your journey really to your your dream company? Sure, sure. Um, thank you for the introduction. So, yeah, my name is Adipo Ogunbi, or LD for short. Um, really, for me, my journey to work in India started when I was 17, 18, looking at university degrees, researching where the best places to go, what kind of jobs the graduates get at those universities. That led me to apply for Loughborough University due to its great reputation. Um, it's the number one university in the country for sport-related degrees. So... That's really where my journey started initially. So really for me, getting a role at Adidas when I was, you know, 24, um, I'd say it was probably like a combination of seven years worth of, um, of effort, of energy, of, of vision, um, of, you know, um, trying to achieve that goal, working towards that. From there, um, you know, it's a long process of um, applications, trying to gain experience, dealing with setbacks, um, going away, working on yourself, working on your craft, trying to figure out, understand a bit more about what you need to do um, and the skills you need to learn. Um, and all of that, thankfully for me, culminated in getting a job at Adidas uh, last autumn. So a long journey, um, no no shortcuts, no overnight successes. Um and still very much at the beginning of the journey, I should absolutely point out, first of all, very much at the beginning. But yeah, it's a lot of work, a lot of um, a lot of drive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really valuable as well because it is so fresh, you know. A lot of people out there listening are trying to just get onto the, the job ladder um, and, and land a graduate scheme for probably this September, this October. So 
I think it's it's so useful to have someone who's who's very recently got onto that journey. Um, but you didn't you didn't manage to get there the first time of asking, right? So um, I'm sure a lot of people as well are going through that and they're applying and figuring out what they want to do. Talk to me about how you first um, your first experience with Adidas with the assessment center, how that went, and how you ultimately kind of got over that hurdle. Okay, um, for sure, it's a bit bit of an odyssey for me. Um on this one so initially in second year university looking for a um a work placement role a year-long work placement so prior for ADAS, um i can't remember the exact job title but it was something to do it was some kind of financial controller role so completely unrelated to anything i'm doing now i'm related to anything i wanted to do so it was the wrong role for me um so you know in hindsight maybe shouldn't even apply for it but just really desperate to get my foot in the door. Had an assessment centre added us, um, which went well. Um, but unfortunately, got to the right last stage. So got to the last 10, 10 or so um, applicants for the role, for the work placement. So bear in mind, it's like my dream work placement um, to get into, get my foot in the door. Um, you know, you're in the building, you're, you're meeting people, shaking hands. Um, back, when you, back when you could shake hands, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can do that one day. We'll see. Absolutely, yeah. So it was a snow day in the northwest of England, um, <laughs> and unfortunately, so it was quite short due to the snow and like travel concerns. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't get it at that time. So that was a big disappointment for me um, and a big blow for some such high hopes. So you go away and you rebuild, you reassess. Um, and I was fortunate to get a work placement at Ford Motor Company um, for that placement year in the end. So. It was a great experience, you know, big global company. Um, following that, my next experience at Adidas was a interesting one. So I applied for a graduate role uh, in my final year university, looking to start um, in that autumn. I was very excited. I was very hyped. Went to a careers event, met a couple of people in HR. Um, I applied, did an application. Was very, you're quietly confident. I felt, I, put in, you know, I felt I was in a good place. And I got nowhere. Uh, I didn't. I didn't even get. I didn't make it past any kind of round. I didn't get any. I didn't get any kind of uh, interview stage <laughs> to speak of. It was um, flat. You know, you land flat on your face. Got a rejection straight away. Um, so all those hopes and dreams and all the anticipations completely dashed. So you have to go away and rebuild. And I guess that's one of the things that I would definitely like to emphasize from this. One of the few things, if if I could. This is one of the points where if you could take away anything, it's just the fact that you don't, you shouldn't give up and you've got to, you, know, you, you constantly need to be reassessing and looking at your options, but also if you do have a goal in mind and it's something you do really want to fight for, you don't give up on it and you keep going, you build yourself up, you work on things, you add things to your armour and you go again. So for me in that situation, obviously it's crushing disappointment. You, know, you go away and you, you work things out. You, you know, so for me, it was a case of working out what kind of skills I wanted to pick up, what industries was I interested in, um, what skills could I gain that would be somewhat relevant you know, in whichever manner to get in the kind of role around that I wanted. So that's, sure. that, that's where that process took me. Yeah, because I guess another lesson you've sort of put in there, and it's great that you've sort of not got it first time because that's how it is for most people, isn't it? You've not got it first time. You've had to persevere with it. And you initially have thought, you know, I'd love to work at Adidas. I'm going to go for what I think I can get, which is the role in finance, which really wasn't quite right for you. Um, and, I, and I've done that myself, you know, many a time. And it, you kind of just, you're either going to get called out at some point during the process or you're going to get that job when it's not going to be right for you anyway. So that there's a big lesson in there, isn't Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah, you want to focus really on what is actually right for you and your personality and what are you going to enjoy, not just, you know, where do I want to work and, and try and land that goal. So those are, the, I guess, the two big takeaways, aren't there, that, you know, find exactly what you want to do um, based on your personality. And then also, if you don't get that first time, then uh, there's no limit on how many times you can pl- apply, you know? No, absolutely. Um, two very key points, you know. First of all, I didn't get it first time. I didn't get it a second time. It was the third time, third go. Um, you know, so this is probably, we're talking, we're talking what, five years after my first application, half a decade 
worth of work, wow. worth of research um, to get where you want to get to. So it's it's a grind. It's not a it's not a quick turnaround. And secondly, you know, you need to you need to know yourself really. And I think something that is very key is just, again trying to zero in on exactly what you want, um, and then that makes other things a lot easier. Um, trying to trying to cut away from all the noise and think, okay, what do I really what skills do I really want to build and what do I need to do to get those skills? What do I need to work to get those skills? And how can I make that work for me? Um, rather than getting too distracted by all these other things. You focus on those things. You've got an overarching goal in mind. You, know, you should be able to, over time, um, work things out. Fantastic. So let's zero in on that, that success then that you've had the third time. What was different there? Did you did you do more networking before that job? Um, was there anything in particular in the assessment centre that you, you felt you did well there to dominate that one? Yeah, so great question, Toby. What I would say, the first thing, the absolute first thing, cornerstone of any app, job application, particularly for assessment centres and grad schemes, big companies, where there's so much information available, the first thing you have you must do is research. You must do your research and you must research extensively on the history of the company, um, research on the people who work there. For me, that was a case of going to careers fairs. It was then a case of going to um, events put on by Adidas that were advertised on their website. So not through university or anything like that. But just, again, that's just through research um, of the company and what kind of events they put on. Um so I would say what was different for me, um, I knew more about the company, I knew more about the process. Obviously, I have that experience. Not only the experience I did that, but other companies as well. So I had more experience the process. And then, yeah, I'd say going to the careers event I went to, that's put on by Adidas, the Creator Lab, um, meeting people in HR, getting a better, a real intimate understanding of, uh, a really intimate understanding of what the different, um, roles were in the grad schemes and how they were different from each other and what kind of skills you learned and picked up. That was a big difference for me, I think, because I could really get, you know, I was face-to-face with HR, asking them questions about the application, questions about your CV, how do you flag up your relevant experience in a way that will resonate best with them. And all of these little nuggets and tools that got me to that, into the, yeah, got me past that first stage. You wouldn't get that if you don't put in the work and you don't, um, go the extra mile right so I've got a story for you right for example that creator lab was at around I think it was around 10am in Shoreditch and I got off a flight um, from Nigeria that morning so I think the flight landed about 4am or 5, yeah, between 4 or 6am okay. I can't quite remember so we had to go from yeah. the airport get in a taxi about an hour and a half two hour taxi back home um Get 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 home. Get changed. Have a shower. Get out. Well, get shower. Get changed. Um, eat. You know. Get get breakfast. And literally leave the house straight away with no sleep. Um, coming off that flight. So, no sleep. Nigeria to the assessment centre with no sleep. No sleep. No sleep. Um, Nigeria, Essex. Wow. Nigeria, no Essex. Back to London. No sleep. Um, and that's the re- no that's slept the reason. The no. Sorry. You know that what the next line is after slept through the fl- flight, right? <laughs> Believe you me, I was I was definitely not for the night that night. Hundred um, <laughs> percent, no. It was, but yeah, that, that's that's what it takes. So you know, obviously, I was I was knackered, I was, I was shattered when I was there. But you just got to kind of put things to one side and just focus. You know, it's only like you know an hour, um, but it's just that sacrifice, having the mentality of going the extra mile. Um, yeah, not to too much in the horn too much, but I'm sure certain people wouldn't have put that in. But if you, if I didn't go, I wouldn't have got those major keys. Um, that enabled me to get to that stage, because um, once you get to those, once you get to the next stage, you get a bit more face time. People actually interview you. You've got to answer questions. Then you can let your personality shine, um, and you can really give a good account of yourself. But knowing the little tips and what they're looking out for, what the right structures and right formats are, those are little nuggets. Sometimes I make a difference. Um, so I said that was definitely. Let's get into that. Let's get into some, some of those nuggets. So, yeah, incredible that you've uh, you've gone from straight to the assessment centre um, and then got down to it. So, I mean, we, we've got an article, obviously, on, on diverse hires about how to 
really uh, perform well during an assessment centre and, and we pick up on a few things, mostly around sort of engaging well with other people in the group, uh, the group exercise. I think that's really where you set yourself apart, isn't it? Um, so we, we really sort of, sort of focus on learning at the beginning what everyone's name is, what their strengths are, so that when a certain part of the task comes up within their area, you can go, look, Dave, I know this is your area. What do you think about this? What are your thoughts? Because that shows that, you know, a lack of an ego, a willingness to take on someone else's views, and then you can then build off their idea. That's that's exactly what they're, they're looking for. They're looking for that sort of LeBron type that's facilitating and collaborating and make everyone else better. Um, is there any sort of nuggets, like you said, that you, you have for the assessment centers that you think might be valuable to, to anyone listening about to go through that process? Yeah, I mean, just actually, firstly, just touch on some of the points you made. I mean, you know, to anyone listening, to anyone who end up listening to this or is listening to this, you know, um, once we put it live, I just got to say, you know, please check out the website. There are so many use pieces of information. And it's absolutely the kind of resource that we didn't have, um, you know, when we were we were going through these stages. So absolutely, you know, incredible insights here. Um and as you said, you know, being the LeBron, being the Maddie Johnson much, type. You're flattering me too much. Give me your nuggets instead. <laughs> I was on the point out, I want to make sure everyone knows, you know, it's really, really useful information. Um, and it, it, those are things that I took from, you know, and they, those are the kind of, those are part of the nuggets insights I had going into it was from my experience of previous assessment centres, it's being someone who's willing to, um, you know, you've got to, show, you've got to show your ability to score, but also you've got to understand that you, you know, that you can, operate well in, in a team um, setting. You can be a good teammate. You can lead the group. Um, so to your point, it means knowing people's strengths and weaknesses. Um, eye contact, you know, shaking hands, eye contact is so important. Um, being polite and being a, being a source of positivity during the day is a big factor. Uh, making sure you smile, making sure you bring that positive energy, so key. Um, because not, not only for... Not only for the assessors who are looking at you thinking, do I want to work with this person? But also for yourself, um, to enable you to kind of be yourself, to relax and to um, show your best your best self on the day. For me, one thing I would say, one thing I would def- another thing I would definitely um, encourage is just to be yourself. Because it's a long day, you know, depending on what assessments that you go to, typically there won't there'll be at least six hours, if not, you know, seven, eight hours. Um you know, and that's forgetting all the stages you, you took up to get to that point in the first place. So you've got to be yourself. Don't try and buff it. Don't try and say things you think they want to hear. Um, of course, you need to shock to your answers in a way that gives the assessors the most amount of information, but you've just got to be authentic. And if you really have an authentic passion for that brand or for what they, the work they do, um, or even just for aspects of the work they do or, the, or for the role you're applying for, you've got to let that shine through and be yourself because ultimately you don't want to get the role in a false pretense talking from my own personal experience right you want you want to make sure you get a role that you're actually well suited for that you're going to enjoy and you want to make sure you want to be the kind of person that the people that you're going to work with are going to enjoy working with um so you just be yourself be yourself be authentically you mm-hmm. uh, because ultimately that's the biggest differentiator between you and anyone else is that you're you you know that's the, that's something that only you can bring to the table Hundred percent, and and that gives you more confidence as well, doesn't it? Like once you feel, when you're being yourself, you just I don't know, it's easier to get into that groove and just be confident and execute. When you're trying to be something you're not, you it's gonna catch you out at some point. You're not gonna be able to execute as comfortably as you are when you're being yourself. So yeah, that's a super super important. Definitely, definitely. And Um, I think when you're being yourself, you can actually enjoy the day. And again, from my personal experience. Being yourself and actually being able to enjoy the day and take in the experience and learn from these experiences um, is so key. And if you're enjoying yourself and enjoying the day, you're definitely going to perform better. And ultimately, that's just going to boost your chance of being successful. Enjoying it, yeah, so it's a great point. Yeah, you've got to kind of just even just fool yourself a little bit and say, look, you know, I'm just going to have fun with this. Pressure makes diamonds, you know, and just get, in, get into your zone, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, smile through the pain. 
because yeah, you, you you've put that work in you deserve to be there and you know depending on what company you apply for roles you apply for there could be thousands of people you've beat to get to that occasion and you're with people in the room you've also done that um and then you're with people in the room who work at that company and they've had great careers and they're, they're doing good work so there's so much learning you can do um and there's a lot of positive experiences you can take away um and then work on and improve so you've got to see it as a positive absolutely 100 percent. okay fantastic yeah all right We've, we're dropping nugget, nuggets of knowledge already. Uh, it's time for for a break now, and we'll be back with uh, with an understanding of what merchandising is and, and what it's actually like to to do that role in uh, Adidas. So hold for that. Perfect. So really helpful first segment there, uh, nailing down some of the key tips in sort of pers- pers- persevering and, and getting to the assessment center, and then doing well when you get there. Now let's focus in on. What actually is merchandising? Because I think a lot of people really struggle with this and with the application and understanding what does this job role actually do, you know, before trying it and before actually seeing what it's like day to day. It's so hard sort of reading a job description on the paper because, you know, the, the JD is, is mostly just uh, lies, right? So let's try and unearth that. But before we get into it, I really do want to ask you, actually, I've been thinking this, LD, how do you, mm. how does everyone feel every time sicko mode is played and, and drake's saying checks over the stripes how do we feel about that what's the reaction well you know it's um i mean it's not uh you, you don't you, i'll tell you what you hate to, you, you, it's not good it's not good um, you don't like to see it you don't like to it's see not- it it's um it's a shame when people feel the need you know to uh put that kind of energy out there you know huh. um yeah. Can you not play yeah, you that? Know, what competition is good? Uh, it, it, it's censored. It's censored in my household. It's censored. So, in your household? Wow. Wow. We just bleeped out. We don't have to play that back. I respect, <laughs> I respect that a lot. Kudos to Drake. Kudos to Travis Scott. You know, congratulations to them. They're doing their thing. Um, do you know what I mean? But it's... Uh... <laughs> I, did, I felt... I did feel... Yeah, I felt the pain. I felt your pain with the with the last dance as well a little bit. I mean, they didn't have to do that. That's what I'm saying. Like MJ, you don't you don't need to tell us that. You know, all those <laughs> just uh, had the heart broken. You know, I think yeah, but it's it's an interesting point because even you know, mistakes do happen, um, and even for people in high positions, even with great experience, you know, things still don't go necessarily go your way all the time. Um, and even that's an important lesson for people to realise. You know, it's not everyday success. It's not everyday sunshine and rainbows. Um, sometimes, you know, things get. Sometimes, like MJ, for example, yeah, sometimes things get away from you, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but it's a good lesson to learn. You know, um, going forward for sure. That, but yeah, on a person like that was painful too. That was painful watching for me. Yeah, personally, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a uh, tough to take. So, if anyone's okay. going to take anything from this, if you get a chance to sign the greatest player of all time, or maybe the second greatest player of all time, make sure that you do that. That's uh, the other key lesson. All right, let's uh, let's get down to it then. What LD is merchandising? I'd, I'd love to know. What does that actually mean? What is that on a day-to-day basis? Right, great question, Toby. Um, Thanks. Something I have to look into myself as well um, during my application stage. So, Having worked in merchandising for the last eight, nine months um, and having gone through the application process myself, I felt like I should break it down into two main areas. So there's two slight slight differences in merchandising. So firstly, um, merchandising is to do the presentation of the product to um, consumers. So, for example, you can have visual merchandisers and they'll actually be in store in the retail spaces working out how they want the stock to look to customers when they come in. Um, and there'll also be people who are working digitally to look at our online stores and work out how they want the layout to look, how they want the products to come come up um, to consumers. So that's like the first, just to get that distinction out of the way. So you can actually be physically in store, um, setting things up, working on working with the product, and working with staff uh, to make it look as good as it possibly can. So that's the first element of merchandising. 
Secondly, ele- the elements just were on that more... Insole, be, yeah. um, just on that insole, is there some sort of... Because you hear these rumours, there's some sort of Jedi mind tricks about, you know, how you walk in and most people turn left or something like that and things are arranged a certain way. Are, are any of those things real? Does psychology come into play with how you sort of set it up initially in, in stock? Yeah, I think it, a large part of it as well depends on the activations in store. So depending on what the, what campaign's been run um, and which, you know, which campaign has been launched um, and which products you really want to draw attention to, that will in large part dictate um, some of the decisions you make, particularly in that, you know, entry area um, when you first walk in. Um, so depending on where things are placed, where you want people's eyes to be, you know, where do you want their attention to be dragged to, um, a lot of that will dictate, you know, from there in that in that particular area, which can change quite a lot. Um, because some areas in the store are more like, okay, here's football, um, here's kids, for example. Um, whereas the activation areas will change more, and they tend to be a lot of the time tend to be near the front. So, depending on those kind of conversations, I think things tend to cascade from there. Um, and you know, whether people look left, right, or look look left, look right, you know. It just depends on, I think a lot of it depends on, you know, where you put things in store, right? There's a really big attention-grabbing thing to your right. I don't think it's really, oh yeah, people might obviously look there first. So I think it just depends. I haven't read, you know, any research papers on this myself, I must say. Okay, cool. So and so that's the first one. It's the, sec- it's the second one digital then? No, no. So um, whether you're in store working with the product physically, making sure it looks the way you want it to look, or you're looking at the online store, working out, again, the layout and um, how you want customers to look at the, to see the product when they first go onto the page. That's still, that's all kind of wrapped up into number one. Um, number two is more to do with um, making sure you allocate the right amount of stock to the right stores. And that depends on your target market in those different areas. It depends on levels of stock allocation. Um, so, in what numbers are you planning on producing certain articles? Um, and then you work, a large part of that is working with sales as well, looking at historical sales figures, understanding um, the expectations of sales volumes for particular categories and particular model lines, and then working with that information to understand, you know, levels that, you know, expectations for the business and where, you know, what kind of, where things should and shouldn't go, what products better for which target markets. And obviously that depends on location. Location is key uh, when we're talking about physical products. Um, and all of that really is to make sure you try and sell the, you know, it's that's interesting about merchandising that I found. It's a very central function. And a lot of things flow out from those decisions that are made. Um, and that's part of the reason why merchandising and sales um, are quite closely woven together um, because it's very important that you forecast um, the right amount of of sales um, to ensure the business can produce the right amount of volume because what you don't want to have is to have all this stock on your hands that you haven't been able to sell uh, or that customers who bought products from you haven't been able to sell because that's terrible for your business and your brand reputation um, so, so a lot of it is about protecting the brand and making sure you sell the right amount of products in the right areas and you don't get left with all this stock that you've then got to deal with afterwards Interesting, yeah. That wouldn't look good to have tons of Adidas stock in in a store that's not being not being sold. So no, no. you've got to work closely with the with the sales planning team to figure out, okay, how much of this is going to get sold, and and demographically, how much is this going to get sold, and in each store, so that you can have that stock ready. And I guess also try and try and use that information to determine what product is going to get sold best in each location. So so you're you're working very closely with the sales team. But it, it, in actual fact, the, once you do that and you plan out, you're choosing. Let's make sure we've got the right products in the right places, uh, in the right in the right volume. That's the core of, of the merchandising rule. Then in this in this capacity, um, yeah, I would say so. And in addition to that, um, there's a lot of you know not just working with sales, right? Because um, depending on where you work and what the process and structures are, of course, there's a there's a product life cycle, right? And inevitably product life cycle will start quite a long time before that product will actually hit the shelf. Um, so you have to be looking into the future. So a lot of that work will be working with product developers, product managers, um, and feeding back, you know, then 
being a mouthpiece to sales and being a funnel of information to and from those different areas to understand what was going to work well in the future, um, what kind okay. of what, what aspects are very important for customers going forward. Um, and in, in addition to that, you know, looking after or making looking after sales, I would say, and trying to make sure sales can do their job as best they can, but also liaising with other parts of business, in particular, you know, the rest of the marketing teams. Because merchandising inevitably, you know, in reality is is still a marketing function. So you lay other marketing mm. teams and help them. Um, so you're helping product people dealing with products, not like product managers and product developers. You're helping them with, um, and you know, big merchandising teams. Depending on your kind of company you work for, you're helping them look into the future of product development. You're helping sales to understand for upcoming, you know, sales seasons. Um, when you know, in terms of when they're selling to customers, you're helping them understand. Um, help them understand what they need to know really what's changing for a new season what the new updates and products are and why they're different and what they need to know and you're also working with the marketing teams in much more much more in a present day fashion of these are the campaigns either coming up or these are the campaigns being launched now and then you're helping them with understanding um, levels of availability and campaign yeah, and product launches um, product locations where is a stock going to be? How can we get a hold of it? All these little different things, they all kind of, they all play a part. And on top of that, mm-hmm. you work with operations in terms of just keeping things sticking over, making sure data's in the right place, um, dot on the I's, crossing the T's, ensuring everything is kind of running smoothly in order. Because if that stuff's not right, trust me, you're, you're just going to struggle. Interesting. Okay, yeah, that, that I didn't know. I didn't know you sort of worked across the product team in the beginning of the product lifestyle so you sort of feeding into what is actually going to be merchandised because obviously that's your expertise so you sort of feed into to both um the initial launch and the the life cycle and then the the sort of end piece which is how do we get it into the right stores and how do we actually sell it to people so that's interesting so i guess if you're taking on a role in merchandising it sounds like a good place to start in that you get a bit of experience across operation sales it is marketing itself and then also uh product, product management as well so it's a, probably a good place to get a feel for what those areas are like and that should help you understand is that an area i want to go into after my graduate scheme or after my placement which is which is valuable or you know probably even more valuable than that is sales something i really don't like or is operations something that i really would be suited to so you know you definitely shouldn't go into those areas after you you finish your your program so it sounds like a, a nicely varied role to get into at the beginning of your career yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more um it's because of its central nature you just get so much insight into different parts of the business um because a lot of them will come a lot of things pass through your team and your department and then you you're, you're kind of the, almost the gatekeeper for that information and you pass it on um so yeah you get a great insight into different functions, different teams, how things work. And also, I think for me, the biggest thing I've taken away from it is that while I have merchandising, at least for me in my, in my case this year, is that this is how the business makes money. You know, it's a really important aspect of the business um, and it's essential. So you're really at, you know, you're kind of, to an extent, you're almost, you know, obviously sales are, again, you know, sales and sales volumes are like part of a business. Um, particularly you know, when you're selling products, of course. Um, and you're, but you're also you're still kind of involved in that process. And you, so you very much understand the core business principles behind why your company does what it does. And that's why I think it's so fascinating about merchandising. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And so let, let's look a bit broader. I mean, we're going to get on to a little bit more about what it's actually like at Adidas. But for you in, in, in the role and how you found it, do you think after the scheme you want to – Go stay in merchandising. Is there another area of marketing that you really want to go into? Is there an, is there a job function that you've come across that you really don't think you're suited to? And, and what would be the reason for that? Is is it too early to say that now? Are you still you're still obviously learning a lot. But is there an area that you've got your eye on that you think you'd be um, a nice fit for after the scheme? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. It's definitely been it's been a very insightful time for me so far. Um, in terms of what I'm interested in, I think 
So I think to an extent, anyone who wants to work at a big company like Adidas or a company like, you know, other companies, shall I say, um, in the sporting goods industry and industries related, you know, maybe maybe in fashion, um, in different fashion yeah. areas, um, not necessarily just in sporting goods, right? Um, you've got to be interested in product on some level, I think, realistically. Certainly for me this year, I've really enjoyed, it's something I haven't done before, to work so closely with products and really get a feel for it, understand the processes behind it, what the rationale out, what the rationale is. I really enjoy the aspect of it. So, would I, would I, you know, would I consider working in merchandising beyond this year? Yeah, definitely. If it was the right role, um, in the, and yeah, I was working a category that I enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very interesting stuff. For me personally, um, I do see myself as a marketeer, um, and it's an aspect, it's an area I've always enjoyed. You know, telling stories. Um, connecting with consumers, understanding your target market, and trying to build content and messaging that works. That's you know that resonates with them. These are all things that I've always um, enjoyed. So I think you know I'd like I definitely like to stay in the marketing um, department, uh, marketing team. Um, for me personally, I think sales is a very interesting area because it's so important to the business. Um, and it's very numbers driven. It's very much, you know, you have forecast, you have targets, you have deadlines, um, which I think is definitely something to bear in mind with sales. Um, but that's also a very interesting area. Um, for, for me, as I said, me personally, I think realistically, right, to be good at any job, you need an aspect of sales that you need to have, or to even to get a job as well, right? That art of persuasion, um, conveying your points well, all very important skills. Um, but like I said, I think I'm a, I do see myself as a bit of a marketeer. For sure. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. So so what about Adidas then? What if so if I'm a graduate, I'm about to start there or I'm looking at where to apply, should should Adidas be on my radar and then once I get there, what's it what's it like from a from a day to day perspective? Is it sort of very open, hierarchy? Um, what's it like meeting other people? Is there, is there gonna be lots of other grads with me and and how, how does the socials usually work out? All that sort of thing, I think, is going to be on people's minds. No, absolutely. I mean, so I guess the first point would be, should that have to be on your radar? Um, you don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be an avid sports person. If you have any interest in sports or fashion, um, any interest in the sporting goods industry, um, if you're if you see yourself as a trendy person um, who... You know, a bit of a fashionista, I would absolutely recommend Adidas to anyone, um, to anyone interested. I think it's a brilliant company to work for. Um, you can have a lot of fun. It, the culture, it's tough to say, you know, it's tough to use a blanket um, description because, you know, we've discussed before, it's a global company, headquartered in Germany, um, offices all around the world, quite a lot of offices in Europe as well. So naturally there'll be some differences and some variations depending upon the location you're working in. Um, but generally really speaking, from my experience, working with people um, based in Germany, people based in Amsterdam, people based in France, um, what I've noticed is that generally there's a very open culture. It's uh, Obviously there is a hierarchy, but it's very it's open planned offices. Um, and whilst it is a, obviously a hierarchy of sorts, it's, it, it feels like quite flat, it feels quite flat. I myself am a graduate intern, and I sometimes I'll sit on a table full of directors. So these are people, you know, many levels above me, and we're all sat there um, having a good laugh. If we're having a debate about product or about strategy, your opinion, you can voice your opinion, and people will genuinely consider it, and you can have a serious debate and go back and forth um, because people are genuinely interested in what you have to say, and that's something that I think is a great part. That's a great aspect of working at Adidas. Um, People are very friendly. And I think the interesting thing, people say, oh, we work, we're friendly. This is a friendly culture. Um, but they don't actually necessarily show it, back it up, show that um, day-to-day and actually back that up. At Adidas, I found that people are genuinely very friendly and very helpful. And when they say, oh, if you anything, just let me know, put some time on that calendar, we'll go through something, they actually mean it. And that's something that um, I think is fairly unique. Um, very helpful culture. Yeah. And I think they, that, but that's not by accident, right? It's by design. They definitely try and hire good people, um, as well as find, you know, as well as trying to find 
very smart and talented people, good experience, you know what they're talking about. It's also important to be a good person, to be a good teammate. Kind of throwing it back to what we're talking about in the assessment centres, you know, being a good teammate um, is very important to the culture. And I think that's definitely something I would, that's definitely one reason to recommend, I would recommend Alibas 21s because you'll inevitably find yourself working with very helpful, um, very generous people who are also at the top of their field working for, you know, such a big brand. Um, so going, mm-hmm. moving, moving yeah. on from that, um, yeah, I, and also actually just, just, just a touch on that. I, it's one of those jobs where like, you'll genuinely enjoy going to the office every day. There's always something to look forward to. And that's so key, again, from our experience. I know you can attest to this as well, Toby. Right? Enjoying your workplace and where you go. You, know, you spend most of your day, five days a week. So most of your, most of your hours in a year are work, right, in the workplace. So it's important to like what you do and the people you work with. And I can genuinely say that I do. So that, that's quite key. Um, I that in terms of socials, it really depends on again, where you are and who you, who you end up working with. For me, I'm on a graduate scheme with 11 other grads. So there's 12 of us. Um, and it's good. It's good. But it's, it's great to be in it together. We were the first year to start all on the same date. And I'm very grateful for that because it, it really enables you to build up a bond between each other. You get to go through the same trials and tribulations and the same kind of growing pains. So that's a good aspect to it. Um, and they're a good laugh, they're a good bunch. You know, I do, I genuinely enjoy um, working with them. I'm grateful to have them, you know, grateful to have a good group. So, um, socials are good uh, because we live because the office is a little bit out of town. Um, it's more like we'll go home and then meet up in the city centre um, and things like that. So it's a good laugh. It's it's fun, good way to laugh, Steve. Um, and yeah, it's hard for me to say because it so much depends on who your cohort is who you're working with. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that would differ depending on location, depending on the role you're in. Um, but it's a good laugh. It's good fun. Yeah, it, it sounds like they've created a, a great vibe there. You know, a lot of uh, team players ready to take one to the team and it seems very collaborative. I think that's really important as well because a lot of people tend to ask, you know, big company, small company, what's the difference? What are the pros and cons? You get a big organisation, and hierarchical, there's that level of bureaucracy, bureaucracy there. It can be it can be difficult at times to get your say in with senior people, but it seems like Adidas have packed that a little bit and they've got a bit of a small company vibe with still the benefits of being a, a big organisation with lots of different functions. And then, yes, it, I think it's great as well. You, you need to have that social element as well, don't you, to, to make sure you really enjoy what you do. It's It's incredible to me how quickly people make decisions about where they work and and almost just settle really on on what they have Mm. without thinking like you have what's the best possible place I could work you know where's the number one place for me you know I love this brand I love what they're about fashion I like and sport I like okay let's go with Adidas and see what that's about um great great brand and they're backing up with how they they treat people so yeah, I think I think more people need to understand that. Network with people that have worked there. Um, do your research on Glassdoor and just find out what it's actually like there. And and if you are on a scheme where you're not not that happy, then you know, you don't have to return after after you finish your, your two years or your one year if it's placement and you can find exactly what you want to do. And it sounds like Adidas is, is somewhere you'd recommend. So uh so yeah, that's that's good stuff. You're making me wanna wanna take a trip to visit the, the Adidas stores right now. <laughs> well, you get a discount on me, so you can't complain too much. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's super helpful. Cool. So that's that's really good. So coming up after this break, we'll be talking about how you can actually dominate the graduate scheme. So whether you're on this one or another one, what are some of the tricks and, and tips that Aldi's learned um, at Adidas and how you can actually perform well once you land it? perfect so when you do actually get around to landing that graduate scheme you're really excited you're hyped to get going and then you actually get there you turn up with 10 other graduates and suddenly you know there's only a few jobs at the end of the scheme that say um, we've really got to do what we can do to put ourselves in the best position to land 
uh, that job at the end and, and show off to make sure we're at the top of the, the list for whoever's interviewing for those roles. So, um, yeah, let's talk about some of the, the tricks and tips you can learn and, and go in with, go into the, the scheme with to make sure you're ready to perform well, maybe in comparison to some of the other graduates. Uh, so what, what have you learned then from your, almost a year now already with Adidas um, on the grad scheme? What have you learned that can you could advise other people to do to really set themselves apart? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, Toby. I think, you know, ultimately everyone's got strengths and weaknesses, right? And everyone's got some, some things they're naturally good at, some things they're not so naturally good at. And it's about working out, you know, what's going to work best for you um, and what, understanding yourself, knowing yourself, right? And understanding your strengths and weaknesses. To talk generally about myself, um, things that I found very helpful this year. Um, going back to my first point about, the point I made earlier about assessment centres and, um, you know, not presenting any falsehoods. It's just be a positive person. I can't stress that enough. Be positive. Wake up every day and work on your mental game. Work on your psyche, your approach. Start with affirmations. Come to work with a positive frame of mind every day. So important. Makes a massive difference to how you feel. And how you feel inevitably has an impact on, you know, on what kind of energy you project into the workplace um, to other people. So be positive um, always. Mindset number two. Um, understanding you are not the finished article and believing that every day is a school day and every opportunity is a learning opportunity is fundamental to um, improving yourself day in and day out. Um, to do that, you need to be humble and understand that you're not perfect. You will make mistakes and that's fine. As part of the process of growing, but being humble enough to take on feedback, um, look at where you need to improve, and being humble enough to work on, go away and work on those things is so important. Um, and ultimately, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. If you have that growth mindset, that compounds over time. If you keep working on things, you keep working on things, you keep chipping away, inevitably you'll look back and say, oh, hold on, now I'm doing these things that I could never do before. And my approach to work is so different. So having a growth mindset, massively important. Um, because you've always got to be moving forwards, right? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So, and a bit, like I said, a big part of that is humility. And that's something that I probably had to learn as well for myself, beginning of my career to now. Um, just humbling yourself and understanding that you're not a finished article. You're not a finished product. You've got a lot of work to go. Um, and taking that on board. Um, linked to that as well so linked to having a growth mindset being humble I would say um, proactively ask for feedback go to your manager go to people on your team and say what did you think about that piece of work I just gave you could it have been faster could it have been more detailed did it need a bit more nuance um, how do you think my work how do you think I've been like, do I need to do things a different way are you happy with how I'm doing I think when you when you come to people with a positive attitude and you say, I want, you know, people sometimes look at feedback and see it as almost like a byword of criticism. And I absolutely understand why. Um, but trying to flip that switch and understand that getting feedback and constructive criticism, is all that is is it gives you another vehicle to use to grow and to improve yourself. And if you actively come to, and sometimes people find it hard to give criticism and constructive criticism and feedback because they understand that people kind of clam up and get a bit sensitive. So again, it makes it easier for the feedback giver to, you know, to give feedback. If you're coming to them and saying, no, please critique me, like help me understand what I'm doing well and what I need to work on. And that's so helpful for everyone. Helps you grow, helps person, your manager, people you're working with, help you get better. Right? And ultimately they're just trying to get you to a higher level. So look for feedback. Um, and what you know, action it and work on it and try and because all it is an opportunity to get better. Um, and then yeah, following on from that again, it's very much linked in terms of asking feedback. It's just being proactive. Um, and what I would say, my experience with proactivity, right? It's linked to confidence. If you believe you're an intelligent person and you believe you've got good points of view, 
then there's no reason why if you see something that you don't quite understand or you see it's inefficient that you wouldn't ask someone on your team or your manager or your director um, about that process and understand can we do it better um, all of these little things you know being proactive is about having that confidence to move on something about having to be told to move on something um, you know and then you can go you can go bring that to someone and say oh here's what I've done I, w- I would never I would never encourage someone to kind of go beyond their responsibilities in terms of um, authorization because clearly you know clearly people have more experience and have been there for a long time so you need to respect that but I would definitely have absolutely advocate going and public responsibilities in terms of doing something and then saying to someone here's what I've done what do you think should we use this or should we not is this the right approach Basically, what I'm saying is make drafts, don't hit send. <laughs> Draft your manager. That's basically what I'm saying. It shows that proactivity. It shows that you're showing initiative. And that's so key because if you're a self-starter, um, it makes the whole process go quicker, right? You know, it's like it just speeds things up um, and it gives them more confidence that you're switched on, that you care, you're fully engaged um, and you're thinking about things the right way. You have no, And I think the problem as well, getting back to confidence, being confident isn't necessarily about being the loudest person. It's not, it's not about being brash, but it's about being confident enough sometimes to be wrong. And that's, I think, key. It's okay to make, again, back to having a growth mindset. It's okay to make mistakes um, as long as you learn from them and you move on, right? So if you're confident enough to be proactive, that means that you won't always get it right, but it means that things move quicker and you can improve quicker and you can get to where you want to get to quicker. So that's really important. Um, so there's a few, a few, a few, a few bits and pieces there. A lot, of, yeah. a lot of that go into just being a good listener and listening to knowledge that not listening to information that comes towards you, and rather than just dismissing it or becoming defensive and um, immediately saying no, that can't be right about me, it's having the humility to listen and to take that knowledge in. And I guess the final point, and I'm, again, I know it's something I probably got from you to be honest as well as people around me. Um, it's just be always be willing to work hard, always be willing to put the extra effort in, um, because inevitably, you know, inevitably it will show up. Inevitably it will come to light, and you'll be better for it. And sometimes you won't always see the progress, and then one day you'll look back and think, "Oh, hold on, I've got from A to B. I didn't even realise." Um, because again, right, these things compound over time. So always be willing to put the hard work in. Always put your hand up. And um, always put your hand up and be a good teammate. I love it. I love it. There's, uh, I'm, I'm jealous of those takes you come out with there. Those are like <laughs> five really great points. I'm very jealous. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna piggyback on all of them briefly because I, I really like what you did there. Um, so, yeah. So being proactive, and, and I think that's something we, we we talked about before, and and that can be a problem that's inevitably going to arise. So you're on a graduate scheme. You'll you'll come up with a problem, or you'll find a problem. You you go to your manager, like you've just said, and and you you proactive. So what most people do is they just give the manager the problem. This is what's going wrong. This is what's happening. What do we do about it? Because they perhaps don't have the confidence confidence to say, you know, I've look, I've got a way out of here. So any problem that you arise, come up with a solution and say, here's the issue. Here's what I think we should do about it. They really appreciate that proactivity, like you said. And it makes their job much easier as well. And then also for you, it's given you the chance to get your reps up to practice making those decisions without the downside of what happens if we get it wrong. So in the early years, you're honing your ability to to make a decision there. Um, and then the other thing you've heard said, so you've got humble, proactive, confident, listening, um, and also the, the driven work hard sort of element as well. Um, yeah, being humble is vital, isn't it? So you've got to listen. You shouldn't be surprised when it comes to your view or what they tell you you need to work on. You know, if it gets to the end of the year and you don't manage to secure a job on the graduate scheme, you should know exactly what the things are that might be the reason for that and the problem that might have arise. So there's no excuse for not knowing that. You've got to go out. You've got to find out what it is. Um, to throw an alley to the last dance that's on Netflix again now, Tim Grover, um, MJ's trainer, uh, used to say the only difference between feedback and criticism is how you take it. 
And that just sums up exactly what you said. You've got to be willing to take mm. on that feedback, no matter how negative it is, and and then uh, turn it into a positive. Absolutely. Um, and you've got to see it as an opportunity. I think the other thing as well, you've got to flip it, right, and see it as an opportunity. Because if someone says you need to work on X, Y, and Z, and then in three months' time, you can come back to them and say, you said I need to work on X, Y, and Z. And in this time, I have done A, B, and C. And that shows that I've worked on X, Y, and Z. All that's going to do is leave a positive impression with your manager or whoever gave you that feedback, right? It's just a good opportunity to, to learn and improve. Um, and to show that you're that kind of person, right? He's got a growth mindset. So, yeah, I, 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 complete, I think that's a great quote there. Um, great quote from... MJ's trainer, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. So, and then the confidence as well. Another thing I sort of found halfway through my scheme actually is that any new project you're given or new task or whatever, you just got to come at it confidently because it's almost funny. Like when you first get something, you don't know if it's going to be easy, super difficult, um, best project ever, worst project ever. So <laughs> there's almost no point doing anything other than approaching it confidently in the beginning because you just don't know do you and and that gives your manager the the sort of it relaxes them a little bit as well doesn't it It makes them feel uh, a bit reassured or like aldi is just taking this on confidently he's going to run away with it and then that, i think that does help you once you get going there's no point sort of being timid about it or nervous about it when you first get it you might as well just back yourself and then see what happens really you've got no, nothing to lose at that point absolutely and also actually another thing and I, again i know for a fact you all agree with this Ask for deadlines. So important. Manage your workload and ask for deadlines. Because inevitably, yeah. one thing I've done, everyone's done it, and it's so frustrating, is when you work on something, there's two things to work on. You work on one thing, and then the other thing, you're rushing to try and get it done. Little did you know, the thing you've already done, that could have literally waited for like another week or two weeks. It wasn't even that urgent. Or the person who asked for it didn't even need that much detail. So you've got to make sure you always ask that question. When do you need it by? And make sure you look into what level of detail do you need? Is it just a quick like calculation, a little quick working out and send it on to you? Or is it like an actual detailed report? You know, that level of detail again, that how much time do you expect me to put into this? So crucial. I promise you that will save you so much time. Anyone listen to this, please take that away as well. <laughs> Trust me, that will, that will be a lifesaver. That's that's so true. Yeah, the deadlines are so important. And then the last thing you mentioned, the the work ethic. I think, if anything, and and people are always wondering about the the ethics and the the staying late, getting in early, that sort of thing. I would I would say in the beginning, you want to lean on if you can, doing a, just a little bit extra. And if you can, for whatever reason, get there early. Um, you, you almost want to err on that side for the beginning, so that you can sort of set a precedent of. I'm someone. I'm someone here that's willing to go the extra mile and take on more workload, and you know, ask for more work in the beginning. And then, if for whatever reason you want to let your foot off the pedal as you go through, then you can do that. But it's you only get a, one chance to make a first impression, right? So you've got to start off on the, that front foot really in the beginning. No, absolutely, very well said. Absolutely, I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I think there's some some great tips in there. Um, so if anyone wants to uh, find out a bit more about you, wh where can they find you? Um, yeah. How how are you? Uh, how how can you be reached then? Obviously after this, everyone's going to be wanting to get in touch to probably network with you to get a job out of us. No problem. No problem at all. Um, well, you can reach me at Ogunbi, um on LinkedIn. Um, of course, you can reach out. Hit me up on Instagram, um, LD underscore um, underscore Oganby. You can hit me up there. We can have a chat. Um, either way, yeah, no, no worries, no problem at all. So I'm more than happy to help. And listen, everyone makes mistakes. We go through these things, so hopefully you don't have to. So just take take these from your, you know, from your guys. Toby and LD, you know, we're here to help. We've all made mistakes and we're all trying to learn the best we can and move forward. So um, all in it together. Yeah, absolutely. We're the guinea pigs for everyone else. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Perfect, LD. I really, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, 
Really appreciate you coming in. I think you're going to be good with the last two episodes of the documentary. I don't think there's going to be any more any more shocks there. I'm hoping for you. Uh, maybe I'll watch it before you and let you know. Uh, but I think you should be good from here on in. It's just MJ dominating, I think. So <laughs> okay, so no no more crushing disappointments, like you said. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. And, and look, you're going to get football back as well. So so it's going to be on the up and up now for you. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> I appreciate your concern. Uh, means a lot to me. Thank you. But good, good looking out. Perfect, man. Perfect. I don't know if you, you saw, but I sent you a video of Reese Nelson and Jaden Sancho. Uh, I didn't realise they were just a younger version of me and you. They've got the same sort of doing. No, two, no, two starlets, of course, right? Um, great guys, actually. I know... I met um I met Reese before. I haven't met um I haven't met Jaden myself, but oh yeah, yeah I met Reese one time. You met Reece? Yeah, I met him in um met him before. Cool guy, man. Really. In Ibiza. Down to, well, you know, if you're gonna gonna put location like that, <laughs> I'm you're gonna send location like that. Yeah, no, I'll be. I just um no, he's a really good guy. Really down to earth, hardworking lad. Um, no, he's a really good character. He's got a really good head and shoulders. So. Um, I wish him nothing but the best in the future. Absolutely, top lad. Sounds good. Sounds good. Right, I need to. I didn't get an invite for that one, so uh, <laughs> I'm hoping I'll get there. Uh, but cool. That's all we have time for today, folks. So this is the Own the Ship podcast with, uh, with myself, Toby, um, and LD as well. So uh, until next time, appreciate you joining.